It's the January 3rd, 2020 episode of Weekly Signals Meltdown, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kespon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as always, mm-hmm. yeah, the best brain at the Wharton School of Finance, Mahler, the fake news dog. Yeah, there he is. Morning, Mahler. Today, we'll be talking about Citizens United, mm-hmm. Exvangelicals, Michelangelo's David, Bats, and more. But first, did you make any New Year's resolutions, Mike? Oh, God, no. Oh, God. No, I've stopped doing that, Nathan. I'm just trying well, to be. It's not a, like drugs. I know. I've, I mean, it's, it's just, just, it's I'm just, just sort asking. of a. It, yeah, it is a exercise in futility to, in my opinion, to really put forward something honest and straightforward. You think you're going to do over the course of the year? Well, what's with the year anyway? I mean, why not just now. make resolutions? Yeah, in, when you come up with in one in March or July? Yeah. yeah, why not? You're right. I think that is a much better approach to life. Yes, <laughs> to life. Yes. Sometimes I think the same people who are born-again Christians and drug addicts mm-hmm. also make New Year's resolutions. And with a lot of enthusiasm. Usually what's so disappointing is it takes maybe about six days into the year when you realize that no. these people aren't going to do it's this. It's not going to happen, no. no. Did you make any New Year's resolutions, Mike? <laughs> you know, I made a New Year's resolution to not listen to someone who asked me the same question twice. Really? Yeah. Uh, I'm just, I just ignore him at that point. Well, I was kind of hoping you'd ask me. <laughs> yeah. That's why I keep asking you. Oh, I you. see. Yeah. Nathan. Yeah. By the way, uh-huh. while we're on the subject, have you made any New Year's resolutions? No. From Discover <laughs> Magazine, Chinese researchers added human brain genes to monkeys. Yeah. This is really one of the most troubling and vaguely promising things I've read in a long time. Yeah. Well, they added the human brain genes to monkeys, improving their short-term memories. Yeah. The monkeys, not the researchers. You know. <laughs> the goal of the work was to see how the gene NCPH1 links to brain size. MCPH1 uh, might have boosted the evolution of the human brain. That's what they're thinking. Yeah. All primates have some variation of MCPH1. Right. However, compared with Mahler and other primates, your brain, Mike. Yes has a human variant of MCPH1 that is uh, larger and more advanced than your brain is. Also that human brains grow much more slowly than other primates. The results of the monkey-human gene research showed that the brains of the transgenic monkeys, those are the monkeys with the human gene, developed at a slower pace, like your brain, Mike. Like mine, for sure, yeah. And that non-transgene monkeys... Did not. By the time they were two or three years old, the transgenic monkeys performed better and faster on short-term memory tests involving matching colors and shapes. Mm -hmm. They didn't ask them any hard questions. No, no. I could do pretty well on color and shapes. Yeah. There was no algebra involved. Nothing like that. (laughs) (laughs) However, there weren't any differences in the brain size or any other behaviors. It was just that 
their short-term memory improved. Some scientists questioned the ethics of the experiment, wondering if a humanized monkey would fit into its own monkey society All right. once they did this to him, or whether they'd just become a DJ at KUCI. <laughs> <It's>... <laughs> By the way, the nighttime shifts are open in case yeah, there are transgenic uh, yeah. monkeys listening to the sound uh-huh. of our voice. <laughs> monkeys are out there. <laughs> <laughs> Would you want an enhanced brain, Mike? Because that's where they're going with this. They're trying to figure out if they could enhance human brains. Yeah, I guess so. You would? I'm going to say something that's heavy. Ooh. There was a lot of research done during the Nazi era in Germany on Uh people. Lots of experiments that were done. And out of that came data. And I I hesitate to use the word valuable data. But data did come out of those experiments as heinous and awful as they were. The scientific community had to wrestle with the question, should we be using that data? Should we be using the research done? Well, it depends on what it is. If they were curing diseases, then... Again, it's an ethical question I don't know that I'm comfortable discussing right now, but... Comfortable? There is something... You brought it up. I know. Of course you use the data if you have it. It's not like you performed the experiments. Right. If they were... Does it crack the door open? Data unethically, it doesn't mean you just ignore it. If Tom had data on how to save my life based on Nazi research on brain injury from World War II, I guess I would be. I I guess I would be okay with that. However, however, again, goes back to some ethical questions, which we don't have time to really get into. Yeah, go back to anything. You'd use the data, right? Mm, Yeah. Use data as no matter where it comes from, you use it. Hey, how about those Lakers? Would you want an enhanced brain, Mike? Yes, I would. Yeah, that's what I thought. Meanwhile, Dr. He, which I think is a very funny name, you'd wonder if there's a Dr. She out there. <laughs> Dr. He, the Chinese scientist who created the world's first genetically edited babies, was sentenced to three years in prison. I know. From the Washington Post, a growing body of archaeological evidence shows that Greek mythological tribe of warrior women, mm-hmm. Amazons, mm-hmm. horseback riding, bow-wielding Amazons, mm-hmm. female fighters, mm-hmm. were rooted in reality. They weren't just mythological figures, legends. So they actually existed, is what you're saying? Yeah. <laughs> okay. New research confirms that there really were groups of nomadic women who trained, hunted, and went to battle in Eurasia, right where they were supposed to go, according to the Greeks. This is new. In the landmark discovery, archaeologists unearthed the remains of four female warriors buried with a cache of arrowheads, spears, and horseback riding gear in a tomb in western Russia, right where ancient Greek stories placed the Amazons. The women were identified as Sisian nomads who were interred at a burial site some 2,500 years ago. Yeah. Wow. So once again, Mike, it's been proven, given the right conditions, women are as stupid as men. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's just say maybe they were protecting their society. I don't uh, know. From I don't what know. I know of Amazons, know. they were a rowdy bunch. They were. You know the f- most famous Amazon of all? Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Wow. It was that whole Falklands thing. <laughs> Is that one of the weirdest wars of the 20th century? Yeah. The Falklands. 
What is the that? British Navy went well, down there. What was that island that Ronald Reagan invaded? Grenada? Grenada. Yeah. Sent out a bunch of Marines to take back a medical school from a bunch of Cuban <laughs> security guards. Yeah. There's your brave Reagan. Yeah, there's your brave Reagan. Yes. Stays at home and makes you know, really, recruitment films yeah, when yeah, most that's right. of Hollywood that's right. went and fought. That's exactly right. Yeah. He did recruitment films during World War II. He also is really kind of the Rosetta Stone of why America is in the shape that it's yeah. in today, politically, financially, and so many. out there having sex with Nancy when he was married to Jane Wyman. Yes. Yeah. That was a scandal, wasn't it? The Environmental Protection Agency is pushing ahead with sweeping changes to roll back environmental regulations, even though a panel of scientific advisors, most of whom were appointed by Trump, that's nearly two-thirds mm-hmm. of the 44 members of this scientific advisory mm-hmm. board, mm-hmm. say Trump's Environmental Protection Agency is ignoring science and planning to destroy the environment. That's true. We got an Environmental Protection Agency that's destroying the environment. Right. That goes back to something that was talked about by Steve Bannon. It goes back to the concept of the destruction of the administrative state. That's what Reagan did to a large extent, and this is what Trump has done even more so, is destroy the ability of our government to do its job, to carry out the mandate that it was given. Panel reports were prepared by members of the EPA's Scientific Advisory Board, a panel of experts created by Congress in 1978 to review the agency's scientific methods. The Trump EPA wants to weaken standards to pollute waterways and wetlands across the country, as well as approve of gas hog SUVs and autos that are worsening the climate crisis. Trump's EPA also plans on restricting the kinds of scientific studies that can be used when writing new environmental regulations. So they're just going to look in the Bible, I think. That's the frightening thing. You you actually are probably right. Shall we pollute the river? What does it say in Leviticus? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Thou sh- shall have free reign to pollute all rivers. Well, there is this biblical nonsense about we shall shepherd over the earth. We shall reign over all that we see as humans. That's what God put is us here. a direct quote? Like that. Yeah. Remember James Watt? Yeah. He was the Secretary of the Interior uh-huh. during the Reagan administration. And they made no secret of the fact that they were going to destroy the agency that he was in charge of. And that's what's happening here at the EPA. Well, these restrictions would change how the EPA calculates the benefits of limiting air pollutants from coal-fired power plants. Three of the four scientific reports show that the Republican proposals conflict with reality. (laughs) Well, (laughs) that's my New Year's resolution, by the way, Mike. Which is? I'm going to be nicer. If you notice I'm not nice, say something, okay? Okay. Right. Is this a trick? Is this a, yeah, is your, a, trick. This a trap, it's isn't no, wait, it? No, I can't say yeah. <laughs> it's No, Mike, it's not a trick. <laughs> <laughs> For example, regarding the EPA's plan to reverse a rule that limits what sort of dredging or pesticide applications can take place near smaller streams and wetlands, The Science Advisory Board said the proposal neglects established science that shows how contamination of groundwater, wetlands, and waterways can spread to drinking water supplies. Yeah. I mean, you don't even need to have science to figure that out. No, no, you don't. You pour a bunch of chemicals near a waterway. 
I just, and the waterway ends up feeding into groundwater. Groundwater, to, well, yeah, 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 it goes absolutely. into the groundwater. Yeah, and then then it's all bets are off because the aquifers, some of them are huge. Yeah, go feed into God knows how many homes and yeah. businesses. That that's what these very nice Republican people are doing. Yeah, they are polluting the groundwater and pretending that that doesn't really even happen. Out of sight, out of mind. Yeah, what? What are you talking about? The EPA is not obligated to accept the science recommendations. Syracuse University professor Peter Wilcoxon, who chairs the work group examining the agency's rollback of federal mileage standards, said you could end up establishing a regulation for huge sectors of the economy based on incorrect information. Yeah. So this administration is garbage in, garbage out. Exactly right. That's a good way to put it. Every time I read a story, and there are so many of these stories, every time I read one of these, I think to myself, how long is it going to take for us to un-F all the stuff that these people are doing? How much further does it put us back in terms of fixing the environment that we're polluting on a regular basis? Oh, they mean well, Mike. Mm. If this news makes you feel that the wrong people are running the country, may I recommend a donation to KUCI because you're right Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio, KUCI 88.9 FM. What now, Molly? Molly wants a little bit of business news right now. I think we could use some good business news, don't you, Nathan? We'll see what we can do here. From Forbes magazine. Oh, always a good source. The analysts at Principles for Responsible Investment. That's a UN-backed organization, or investment group, you should say, representing 50 countries with $70 trillion in value, those 50 countries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's something behind this. The analysts there believe that policies that mitigate climate change are inevitable, no matter how unlikely they seem right now. They're going to happen. Right. We're going to have to deal with climate change and have to put policies in place. But the question, really, the big question is, are they going to be implemented in time? They will be implemented at some point, but we may be looking at a smoldering hellscape when they finally decide to implement some of these things. Or we may not be. Thank you for letting us know that much. Yes. Because I thought maybe you know it didn't really matter. Well, Unfortunately, these inevitable policies have not been priced into markets. Yeah. And the longer policymakers wait, the more disruptive the policies will be. Yes. With production, processing, and retail of food accounting for 15 to 30 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions in high-income countries, significant shifts in food consumption patterns will be required as part of the low-carbon transition, the analyst said. We expect to see deep and rapid changes in the energy system, Transport electrified in 20 years and major changes in land use. All of this will give over 60% reduction in CO2 emissions by 2050. Still not enough to hit the 1.5 degrees Celsius target that's needed. Exactly. Because of the slow pace of change, the organization recommends policies to encourage dietary change away from animal products, along with a suite of other recommendations. I'd say beef products. Let's just start there. Yeah. Start with the cows. Start with the cows. 
Their other recommendations include new building codes for all new buildings to be carbon neutral or negative, an immediate elimination of all fossil fuel subsidies, a ban on all fossil fuel exploration and the further development of existing resources and reserves, policies to phase out and prematurely retire the existing stock of fossil fuel infrastructure that is incompatible with the carbon budget, significant state-sponsored research and development into low-emissions aviation technology, low-carbon high-grade process heat technologies, such as plasma arc welding, and high-density batteries for the electrification of big old vehicles. This sounds like the Green New Deal. Yeah. Heavy subsidization of electric vehicle charging stations, along with tax and congestion charge exemptions for electric vehicles, also are added to the list. What's not to like about this? We're just trying to get up with the 21st century instead of living like cowboys or I don't know what are the Republicans who do, what do they uh, emulate here I don't know what century they want to go for they really want to go back to the 17th 19th century, century 18th 19th? century 18th yeah. century I think not so not the 20th no they don't I like really the 20th? I really think that they think of America when we were manifest destiny America just going crazy across the west slaughtering Indians was the glory days of America <laughs> There's one other thing. I just uh, came across an article that will supplement our discussion here, and that is the Green New Deal. They're talking about the job creation. Someone's done a study on this and come to the conclusion that there are approximately 30 million possible jobs, 30 million jobs, if we implement the kind of policy that's being discussed. Of course there is. Real jobs. I mean, decent yeah, of jobs. Course. Yeah, of course there is. Not, There's the, this takes people to work on these things. There's jobs for people that put horses down. (laughs) You know? (laughs) So why wouldn't there be a a job that would put up an electric vehicle charging station? Of course there's jobs. So anyone who's listening to our conversation here, every time the Republicans bring up how much money this is going to cost, they're talking about raw cost. I understand. That is part of it. But what they leave out of the equation, what they leave out of the discussion is the kind of revenue that will be generated from this transition into a non-fossil fuel economy. And it is tremendous. And by the way, climate damage is causing trillions of dollars in damage every year. Meanwhile, the city of Sydney Despite a total fire ban and temperatures ranging between 95 and 113 degrees Fahrenheit, celebrated New Year's Eve with a fireworks display. Which, which, by the way, there were literally people trying to escape the fires in Australia now on the beach and in the water to escape the fires. They were literally at water's edge waiting for these wildfires to die down. From The Guardian. In the arid lands that have seen one of the most brutal wars of the 21st century so far, peace may be breaking out because of the recognition of climate change. The seasonal river that runs by El Fasher, the capital of Sudan's North Darfur state, has been transformed by community-built weirs. Those are low dams, not big tall dams, but think of them like beaver dams. That's what we like to think of them here at... Week, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. The weirs slow the flow of the rainy season downpours, spreading water and allowing it to seep into the land. Before the weirs, just 150 farmers could make a living there. Now 4,000 work the land. So they're controlling the flow of water. 
The Weirs are not just promising a more bountiful future, but a more peaceful one. Communities of farmers and nomadic camel herders, deadly enemies during the war, are coming together to plan and build Weirs. This has often meant meeting their recent enemy face-to-face for the first time since the conflict began in 2003. Millions were forced to flee the violence in Darfur that killed as many as 400,000 people and lasted a decade. The Darfur conflict was labeled the first climate change war. Research has shown that climate impacts like drought and increasing temperatures increase the risk of armed struggles. We know about that. Mm -hmm. War. Mm -hmm. armed struggles, particularly in regions where populations are already divided. In pre-Weir Darfur, millet and sorghum, both grains were the staples, but now farmers have been able to expand into cucumbers and okra. Which is a more of a water-intensive crop. Yeah, and in general, it balances their diet out. Lemons and grapefruit and sunflowers. Wow. So they And they can make money off of this, too. Yeah. The weirs have enabled people to return to their villages and adapt to the changing climate, which would otherwise drive them away. 9,000 new gum Arabic trees have been planted by a local women's community association, replacing these trees that were destroyed uh, for firewood during the war. Mm -hmm. The shady spot is now a meeting place and the trees a future source of income. The men tried to plant trees. They failed. They lack the patience, said the chair of the Women's Association. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter and Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn or go to KUCI.com. O-R-G. From popular... Mechanics. Mechanics. Of all places. <laughs> the tomb update. We've been following the tomb. We have. I'm glad to see we're continuing to monitor this story. The U.S. Congress ordered an investigation into the so-called Runet Dome in the Marshall Islands, a concrete dome containing contaminated radioactive debris left over from nuclear weapons tests. The Department of Energy has six months to report back on the status of the dome, which is cracked and filling with seawater. This is not a good situation. No. A leak could spill radioactive waste over a wide area. The Runet Dome, also known as the Tomb is a 328-foot-wide crater created by a nuclear explosion that was filled with radioactive debris from a variety of tests conducted at the Runet Atoll. You, you call it Atoll? A- Americans. Americans? We say Atoll. Atoll. Brits call it Atoll. Mm-hmm. What do you prefer? Uh, I believe I'd go with the Brits on this one. Right? Yeah. Atoll? Atoll. I like Atoll. All right. Yeah. Where was I? The tomb is so large it is easily visible on Google Maps and contains 110,000 cubic yards of radioactive contaminated soil and 6,000 cubic yards of contaminated debris. 
1980, the U.S. government built a concrete dome 18 inches thick over the crater, sealing the radioactive contents inside. Unfortunately, they didn't build a concrete lining for the debris. The base of it was <laughs> was not as uh, stable, thick, thick as as the 18-inch right. cover they put on it. Right. A typhoon could create an environmental disaster there. Yeah, we are talking about a lot of radioactive material. Yeah. I just just did a quick Google search to yeah. see how many nuclear weapons bombs were dropped on the Marshall Islands yeah. during the period of time when we were testing we're from testing. 1946 to 1958 in a period of 12 years. Yeah. The US dropped 67 67 nuclear devices yeah. on the island. 67 nuclear weapons were dropped on the Marshall Islands a chain of atolls in the Pacific Island with a population of 52,000 people, by the way, were living there at the time. Can you imagine? That's atoll. Atoll. Good <laughs> God, man. I mean, 67 nuclear tests. It's hard to fathom. Most of them were much larger. How many were in Nevada? Well, that's there true, you. too. Yeah. How, but how many of them were much larger than the nuclear devices dropped on Nagasaki and Hiroshima? They were much bigger. All we've managed to do is capture some of that material. A lot of it went into the atmosphere because of the nature of an explosion, right? But we did manage to capture some of that nuclear waste and put it in this dome, and now it's in danger of leaking. <sighs> 67, man. The 2020 National Defense Authorization Act, otherwise known as the 2020 Defense Budget, directs the Department of Energy to investigate the status of the Runet Dome in the Marshall Islands and the dangers posed by potential leaks. The Department of Energy is also directed to come up with a detailed plan to repair the dome to ensure that it does not have any harmful effects to the local population, environment, or wildlife, including the projected costs of implementing such plans. What I'm wondering is why they don't have the projected costs of uh, 110,000 cubic yards of radioactive waste flowing into the ocean. Yeah. They're, I don't think they're they'd... worried about the yeah. cost of actually preventing that from happening, not the cost of it actually happening. Right. By the way, I want to mention one of these nuclear devices that was detonated in 1954, and they called it the Bravo shot. The Bravo shot was a nuclear device that was 1,000 times more powerful than the bomb dropped on Hiroshima. From Salon, the Citizen United ruling broke American democracy at the start of the decade, and we still haven't recovered. No, we haven't. On January 21st, 2010, then-Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy, the man who brought us the lying sex abuser and Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh, yes. Kennedy cast a deciding vote in the Citizen United case, which was brought by a group chaired by David Bossie, who would later serve as Trump's deputy campaign manager. Kennedy wrote in the majority decision that limits on independent expenditures violated the First Amendment rights of corporations and other groups. Kennedy's votes effectively overturned spending restrictions dating back more than a century. The decision allowed corporations to spend unlimited money on campaign ads as long as they did not formally coordinate with campaigns, candidates, or political parties. Right. According to Kennedy, there could not be corruption because an independent expenditure is political speech presented to the electorate that is not coordinated with a candidate. 
I don't get that. It is not coordinated with that, a candidate. That's, that's laughably naive. Yeah. What planet do these people live on that actually believe that? Before Citizen United in 2010, the biggest Republican donor of the election cycle spent $7.6 million to support conservative candidates. Just eight years later, casino mogul Sheldon Adelson and his wife Miriam donated $122 million to support Republican candidates, or more than 15 times as much as before. The amount of outside cash injected into the presidential race skyrocketed to more than $1 billion in 2012 and $1.4 billion in 2016. The ruling is not limited to presidential races, and this is where it gets really ugly. The 2018 midterm election cycle was the first in history to see more than $1 billion, $1 billion in outside spending, up from $69 million just four cycles earlier. The rise of dark money has resulted in a huge advantage for Republicans in state legislature races, particularly in states with weak unions. Yeah. Citizen United increased the GOP's average seat share in state legislatures by five percentage points, and that's a lot countrywide. In the 2010 election, the first to see a massive upswing in outside money, Republicans captured two dozen state legislative chambers and then started a nationwide gerrymandering effort, which makes it even tougher for the Democrats to win fairly. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. 2010 will be seen as one of the most critical election cycles of my lifetime because of just what you described, the injection of money. By the way, the Koch brothers also managed to raise, in the last election cycle, close to $800 billion. And Obama warned about this whole thing during the State of the Union. Not that he's a hero of mine, but even he could see what was coming. And while he was warning... Congress at the State of the Union, Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito could be seen mouthing the words, not true, this won't happen, that there's going to be... That was that big deal. He was talking about foreign interference in U.S. elections. Uh, Obama was, and uh, one of our Supreme Court justices, Samuel Alito, was saying, yeah, this is during the the State of the Union. This was a big deal at the time when he brought this up. Exactly right. That uh, this would cause interference, possibly from foreign. foreign oh gosh, has that happened? Alito mouths not true. Yeah. In the next election cycle, it happened. Yeah, and now we've got Lee Parnas and uh, Igor Fruman, the two associates of Trump's personal attorney, well, Rudy Giuliani. And Trump. They've been recently indicted on charges that they illegally funneled foreign money to Republican politicians. Well, and that's what happened in the NRA. The NRA was taking foreign money. You're taking Russian money. I think that there's so much more Russian and international money flowing through the Republican Party. That's the big story that's going to come out this year, how much money went through the Republican Party. Meanwhile, the chocolate manufacturer Hershey's, you know about them, they announced the company would retire its Kissmobile. Hershey's Kisses. You ever have one of them? Yeah, I've had one of those. I'm, th- I'm glad I was sitting down when you read that yeah, story because I'm, I'm devastated. Yeah. From church and state, the number of white evangelicals are dwindling enough that they might become irrelevant as a political force as soon as 2024. Praise be. Praise yes. be. Yes. yes. Direct opposition to their Christian Taliban worldview is being led by an increasingly strong and vocal movement of their own disaffected youth, the exvangelicals. Twenty years ago, just 46% of white evangelical Protestants were older than 50. Now it's 62%. 
that are older than 50. Only 10% of Americans under 30 identify as white evangelicals. Mm -hmm. In 1992, when Bill Clinton was elected, 73% of the electorate was white and Christian. By 2012, that number was 53%. That's a big drop, 20%. If current trends hold steady, 2024 will be a watershed year, the first American election where white Christian voters don't constitute a majority of voters. Yeah. While the older segment of the Christian right is aging and dying out, the younger segment is abandoning it because Trump has exposed it as hypocritical and bigoted. Yes. This may end with a best-case scenario where Trump destroys both the GOP and the Christian right. Yeah. What a glorious day. Yes, that what would a be. glorious. Praise God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> From whom all blessings flow. Uh, Praise um, him, all creatures uh, here uh, below. Uh, Meanwhile. I, I love it when you and uh, Mahler harmonize <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. It's great. Meanwhile, a Massachusetts woman crashed her car into a stop and shop. <laughs> I guess she was stopping and shopping. From Medical Express. Mm-hmm. When I say Michelangelo's David, you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. You know that I statue? I do know. Yes, yeah. I do know. World-famous statue? Uh-huh. That statue with the guy with the enormous penis? He has a penis? Oh, yeah, I believe so. I believe really? he's, yeah, I believe he's anatomically. It's, it's enormous? Oh, yeah, huge. Go ahead, continue. Uh, it's only this year that an American doctor spotted an anatomical insight made by a Michelangelo. Okay. One that passed without notice for more than 500 years in the vast majority of sculptures and in the everyday physiology of living people, the jugular vein running from the upper torso through the penis. Oh, wrong thing. The jugular vein (laughs) running from the upper torso through the neck is not visible if you look at sculptures. Okay. But in the Renaissance masterpiece, David, the vessel is clearly distended. Okay. What and we made make? visible yeah. above David's collarbone. This would happen in a healthy young person who was amped up and ready to clock a giant like Goliath. <laughs> like a you Goliath. know, you get all pumped up when okay. you're going to kill a giant. Got, gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Mahler knows. So yeah. that, quite insightful. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. So, yeah. yeah. Well, what's, what's good about that is this is uh, observational medicine, yeah. which doesn't take place a lot anymore. People it, don't do that much anymore. And in fact, jugular vein distension is not even discussed in a typical cardiology textbook. David was made in 1504, but it wasn't until 1628 that people studying medicine even noticed this. The anatomical detail appears in his sculpture of Moses at the tomb of Pope Julius II in Rome. Mm-hmm. In contrast, the jugular vein of the recently deceased Jesus lying on the lap in Michelangelo's Pieta is not distended. Because he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. And finally, in Ukraine, a family returned home to their high-rise apartment, stepped out into their enclosed balcony, and to their surprise, Mm -hmm. found 1,700 bats mating. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. WeeklySignals.com Subscribe now.